This morning, I'd like to introduce our speaker, Mr. Dean Hirsch. He's doing the closing talk in a week-long uh, series on missions and the role of missions in the world. As a college, our hope is that we would be a part of rethinking missions. We're a place of thought, a place of study, a place of reflection. And on Friday, we had Dr. Sam Barkat, who talked about the need to start thinking in terms of a borderless world. On Monday, I shared with you some principles from the life of Jesus about mission. And today we have Dean Hirsch, the president of World Vision. There are, I learned this morning, 599,000 nonprofit charitable organizations in the world. 599,000. World Vision is 13th in size and impact uh, of those. It is an organization that was started during the Korean conflict in the 1950s because one soldier had a heart for one orphan. And the soldier enlisted a nurse to help him. The nurse said, no, you take care of the orphan. And the soldier said, no, you take care of the orphan, and I'll go find the money to make sure that things work out. And that was the beginning of World Vision, which now has annually a $350 million budget, works in 80 countries, is, I would say, if not the most respected Christ-centered relief organization and witness for Jesus Christ in the two-thirds world, it would certainly rank up there with, with any other. And Dean Hirsch is the president of this organization. He's a Westmont alum. You may have wondered, what do you do if you graduate from Westmont with a degree in psychology? Well, you run one of the world's largest relief organizations. At least that's one of the things that uh, Dean does. He's called on to negotiate. For example, he started negotiations with the prime ministers of the coalition government of Cambodia for the proposed eradication of landmines and the signing of one of the first formal protocols of that newly formed government. Mr. Hirsch did that as a part of his witness for Jesus Christ. He's entered war zones and was their organization, along with him as giving leadership, were one of the first to deliver food, a food shipment to Mostar, to the war victims during the ongoing Bosnian conflict. Wherever there are tragedies around the world, World Vision is first on the scene. And it's, it's been trusted by many government organizations around the world because they know if goods are given to World Vision, they actually get to the people if it's at all possible. So I've asked Dean to share with us some of his reflections on missions and how we should think about missions. And he's going to do it in a dialogue with you so that you'll be free throughout the chapel to ask him questions. This mic will be a roving mic in his hand. So you can be thinking of questions to ask him. And if you want to follow up further this afternoon at 2 o'clock, come to Hieronymus Lounge. So let's welcome Mr. Dean Hirsch. Thank you. It's uh, extremely good to be with you. As an alum, uh, there is a special place in my heart for Westmont. And uh, let me say, please put up with my voice. I uh, was here last week, and uh, then I went to, uh, where did I go? I went to Toronto. And I've been speaking in Toronto, and yesterday I was in Seattle, speaking in Seattle, and today I'm here. 
and uh, my voice is beginning to give out, but I'm going to make it work this morning. What is good to be here? I am an alum. Uh, I'm proud of Westmont. Now, I need to tell you, uh, I'm proud of you too for being here. I don't know your motivation, uh, whether it's because you're uh, serious after learning or whether you're here because uh, you had an influential friend or influential parent or there was no alternative. Uh, my reason for being here, it was a pure motive. I wanted to stay out of the Vietnam War. I wanted to stay out of the war. I didn't want to be drafted. Uh, I was concerned about my number. We had a lottery. I think my number was 139. And uh, as long as you did well, and well was mean just get the appropriate grades, and some of the professors here know, uh, I probably was not the best student. But uh, I had a life-changing experience at Westmont. How does somebody leave Westmont and become the head of the 13th largest charity in the world, have a gross budget of $500 million, and uh, work in 105 countries, and the chant today where you sit with the Orthodox Church in many of the parts of the world, you have to have an appreciation for that tradition. Uh, you know, how did you do it? I get asked that question all the time. In fact, uh, I do have a policy that I'll share with you. If you call and say you're from Westmont, I will see you. If you call and say you're from Biola, there's a waiting list. <laughs> but if you do come and see me, I expect that you're going to be serious about life and that you're going to be serious about being global citizens and that you're going to want to really be seeking Jesus Christ uh, because I am concerned about the world. And I just want to share with you a little today about a pilgrimage, share with you some of the changes that are taking place, and talk to you a little about the challenges. When I was here and I reflected on this while I was on the plane, Westmont really did not prepare me for what I saw three weeks ago. I went into Sierra Leone. And Liberia. I went into a, a war zone. It was extremely dangerous. We flew up to Bow. They're fighting, fighting over diamond mines. And I went up into an area where they're not using sophisticated weapons. They're not using landmines. They're not using SAM missiles to shoot our plane out of the air, even though we had concerns. They're taking simple machetes. And they told me, Dean, you're going to have to be prepared for this. And they're going into these villages and they're cutting ha the hands off of the women. They're cutting the arms off of the men. And they're cutting arms and legs off of the children. Westmont did not prepare me for that. Westmont did not prepare me for meeting with the two prime ministers of Cambodia to sit down with them and to listen to them and how they were so angry with the Khmer Rouge, which is the communist element inside Cambodia. And we talked and talked and talked in their offices about uh, the poverty that's taking place in Cambodia and why does this hatred have to go on in this issue of reconciliation. It did not necessarily prepare me either for the struggles that I go through when I see death, as I did in Liberia. And I had mothers who just walked out of the bush that day with children who are starving and told me there's thousands of children in this bush that are starving and need help. And you have questions and say, God, where are you? Where's, where's that love? And all I could do was pray with these people. And today at 2 o'clock, if you're interested, I've, uh, we filmed this. And so I have uh, nine minutes of Liberia and Sierra Leone. And uh, I'll show that to you and talk about that more in depth with you. But what did Westmont do? Well, first of all, it helped me develop skills, talents, and tools to craft a vision. To craft a vision that there's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ.
and that we can respond as Westmont alums. Secondly, it has helped me in building a ministry. Uh, even though we're number 13, I plan on, for the sake of Jesus Christ and the mission of Jesus Christ, that I plan on taking World Vision to $1 billion in the next five years to respond, to grow, to be able to meet the needs of this hurting world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It helped me build principles to find truth in a complex and confusing world. It is a complex and confusing world. Uh, the rules have changed. Uh, Sam talked last week, the borders are gone. It changes every day. You don't know who you're against, who's with you. And you have to be able to think. You have to be able to use your cognitive resources. And finally, through the professors, the staff, and those who have been with me, not only in experience but over the years, it helped me build a foundation biblically. I was telling Bart today, I was one of those people who came to chapel, and typically I was more concerned about the next class and that exam, and I wanted to make sure that the speaker was done right on time because I had that last thing to do before that next class. But there are two or three chapels that I remember, and the speakers, and those points are still graphically in my mind. I challenge you today that when you, through your experiences here in chapel, you are going to remember two or three things that are going to stay with you for your, with your, for your life. Easy answers don't exist in this world. We got two presidential, three presidential candidates who are, haven't given us any good answers for anything. Uh, they haven't talked about the world. They haven't talked about the world that you're going to go into. They haven't talked about the poverty, the spiritual, the physical poverty that exists in the world. The fact that there's 23 wars going on in the world right now, 21 of them are within borders of countries. Two of them are only across borders. And in the majority of these wars, they're all in Africa. They haven't necessarily talked about the fact that it is a borderless world, as Sam said. They haven't talked and shared about what is our strategic vision for dealing with countries such as the Soviet Union, where I was in Chernobyl for the 10th anniversary recently of the Chernobyl disaster. That was a nuclear disaster 10 years ago. If you know anything about uh, nuclear radiation, some of this nuclear radiation has a half shelf life of thousands of years. I learned that some of it has 10,000 years. I saw children with thyroid cancer. I saw adults and talked to old women in villages that they've had to leave because the government wanted them to leave and they're back there. And, and they said to me, I would rather have communism come back and have the system, the government take care of me than to be where I am and I will die of radiation. I'm prepared for that. But then I had the young people of your age over and over again to say to me, I don't want communism back. But America, you must stand with us and we need microenterprise. We need economic development if we're going to succeed. The challenges that exist in this world today. The former Soviet Union going from one country into 15 countries. Yugoslavia. Today, one country that has moved into 12 countries, and you hear the term Bosnia over and over again. Czechoslovakia, going now to the Czech Republic and to Slovakia. What does this tell us? Well, we are in a borderless world. 
We have communication satellites. In fact, there's 2,000 communication satellites and tonight in the beauty of the sky here. Every eight minutes over this college, this institution, one of those satellites goes over. And that these satellites don't respect borders. And if whether you're a watcher of CNN or if you're a watcher of the BBC or Sky Television, wherever you come from in the world, you'll know that the world is entering into even the simplest villages of the world. You'll also be aware of the fact that ethnicity means everything today. What do I mean by ethnicity? I'm talking about hundreds of years ago. My family came from Germany. Actually came from Austro-Prussia. And many people are going back to those roots. And they're saying that that succeeds, that is more important than anything else. And so you're seeing global conflicts over ethnicity. You're not seeing global conflicts over borders. That's a challenge that you're going to face as you leave Westmont and you go out into the world. Now, Sam also spoke about the changes that are taking place. You'll recall on Friday that he talked about Africa. Let me just share something with you here, and then I'm going to ask Bart to read a portion of Scripture and then ask you at any time to uh, ask questions and come out into the audience. In 1800, 1% of the world was evangelical Christians in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Now listen to this, 1%. In, per, in 1900, 10% of the evangelical Christians of the world were in Asia, Africa, Latin America. Today, 65 to 70% of the evangelical Christians of the world are in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. It has changed. In fact, today or in the next couple of years, Africa will be the most Christian continent in the world. Latin America will be second. Then Asia. North America and Europe is going to be at the end. And many people are writing and talking about our society being a post-Christian era. Despite this, and principally in Asia, Sam shared that two billion people have not been able to hear the message of Jesus Christ. This isn't two billion people that have heard and not taken a decision. This is two billion out of the six billion people in the world have not heard the message of Jesus Christ. And they're principally in North Africa moving across Asia. And yet there's been a change in our country. While this has been taking place, and we see today that more missionaries come out of Asia than from North America, there's been a phenomenon that you have been involved in. 200,000 North Americans, and that includes you that are in potter's clay because you're in the number, have taken short-term mission experiences. A tremendous turnaround. Rather than the long-term missionary going out, the short-term missionary experience. And the outcome has been life-changing experiences for many of you who have experienced that, as well as developing a global perspective. Now, Westmont has the opportunity to impact the world for Christ. But if it's going to impact the world for Christ, it needs to be part of the world. And if that's going to happen, it has to happen with you as the students as well as the faculty. 
and that this is not just for you today. Just as I've had the opportunity, and at 2 o'clock I will share with you how I left Westmont, what happened, and what got me to lead this uh, organization working in 105 countries with about 15,000 employees in all these diverse cultures. You're going to have the same opportunity. Many organizations are going to be looking upon the graduates of the future to fill positions that they have to serve in this world. If tomorrow's reality is going to be better than today, well, it's only going to happen because of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that. I can tell you that from a first-hand experience. I was in Geneva recently. Geneva, Switzerland. If you want to, that's where Geneva is located, Switzerland. Switzerland's in Europe. I say that. And I say that out of one. A study took place, National Geographic. You know about geography, what they said? They tested Americans, not just students. They had tested adults, American adults. And do you know that 25% of American adults, and these are people that all went all the way to Harvard. They had the whole cross-section of America. 25% of American adults could not find London on the map. Couldn't find London on the map. The tragic thing was 17% of the Americans that were tested, these are college graduates too, couldn't find the United States on the map. That's the society we're living in. I've written and gotten the results of that. If you're interested, I'll be glad to share all of that with you. But that says something about us. It says something about us. So if tomorrow's reality is going to be better, it's only becoming of Jesus Christ. And in Geneva, Switzerland, I met with the International Commission of the Red Cross. The International Commission of the Red Cross is only made up of Swiss. They are the ones who monitor the tragedies around the world and go out and do the head counts. They go out and do the body counts. And so I was there with my colleague, and we went, met with the president of the International Committee of the Red Cross, as well as some of these individuals who had come in from the atrocities of Burundi and Rwanda and others because they wanted to talk to us. And as we were there talking and thinking about the tragedies that had taken place in Cambodia and Bosnia, one of the colleagues finally came to the point of why we were having this meeting. And he said, Dean, as I was in Rwanda, and you've got to understand the ICRC is a very secularist organization. He said, I have come to the conclusion that there is a spiritual dimension of mankind that is missing. And this killing and hatred that is taking place around the world is because they're a spiritual void. And there's only one organization I know of who can meet the spiritual void. And there's others too, but one that he knew of, and that was World Vision. And so he talked about what type of strategic association can we have together that as they go out and work with these people and work in concepts of reconciliation, work in concepts of peace, how can we respond and bring a hope to that spiritual void. And so we've been able to pursue dialogue, and we've been able to talk about that world vision are followers of Jesus Christ, that we are attempting to share the gospel, the good news, in every dimension. Now I'm going to ask Bart to read a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to open it up for some questions. I've asked Bart to... Uh, Read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're called to a ministry of reconciliation. And in a moment, I'm going to share with you how can you, in different disciplines of Westmont, go forth and serve in this world in what has been called missions. But I like a different term today. And I apologize to anybody that steps on, and it's called Christian professionals. Christian professionals. I want to talk about how you, the future before you, and what you can do. I have 10 minutes. And so I wanted, first of all, say on reconciliation, no matter what discipline we're in, no matter where we go, we are called to be reconciled. We are called to be reconciled. We are called to be involved in the process of reconciliation. And I want you to hold that thought for a minute as I ask some of you any questions regarding what Bart talked about, the woman at the well, Jesus crossing over and sharing what Sam talked about, and uh, also any comments I've made today before I go into the last closing section. Questions? Okay. How does World Vision share the gospel of Jesus Christ? We share it in both word and deed. We share it in open proclamation. We, in some countries, such as Romania, including Bosnia, we actually have open crusades. In other countries, such as Mauritania, which is 97% Muslim, we cannot share Bibles, we cannot articulate our faith, but we demonstrate our faith. In Mauritania, World Vision's got a contract with the government, and what we do, we're responsible for all the education of health care in Mauritania on television. And so every day we have a section on television in that country teaching the people about health care. And we bring in our Christian philosophy and our Christian values. We also work with people of the Muslim tradition and that we have devotions. And we read both the Bible and the Koran together. And I can take you to West Africa and show you many Muslims who have come to know and follow Jesus Christ. Uh, one example of this is that we focused on truck drivers. We try to be strategic. Truck drivers in the world are known for two things. They're known for creating truck stops and they're known for spreading AIDS. And we said, well, if they can spread AIDS, why can't they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so we have an intentional program where we focus around the world on truck drivers and these truck drivers in West Africa are now singing hymns of the faith in their own tradition. They're reading the scriptures, and as they drive, they're sharing the message of Jesus Christ at our truck stop. Now, those truck stops aren't American truck stops. Those are tents. That's where they pull their camels together, things of that sort. But uh, that's one way that we do that. Another question. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
a tough question, tough question. The question was, I spoke at the beginning of my talk about the fact of when you go into a tragedy like that and you see Sally, which you will see today on the film, and you walk in and you see somebody with their hands cut off or you see the boy that I was with or some of the others, and you say, where is God's love? I wrestled through this when I was in Chernobyl because in Chernobyl, what I saw is I saw children and families that were in despair and were going to live in despair. And what I saw World Vision doing, I saw our staff living in radiation areas. But what I saw them is sharing the hope that only could come through Jesus Christ. And so the, que the answer for me is the hope that comes only through Jesus Christ and comes through the scriptures and talking and listening to those people and not necessarily focusing upon that surrounding what the events are, but the focus that there is a person that loves them. And that there is something beyond. And so uh, this afternoon, I'd like to go deeper into that one, that area with you. One last question. Any? In the bleachers, yes. Well, I think that we can be uh, modelers of reconciliation. And one thing is that as we work with any tradition, we might not necessarily be in agreement with all tenets of what they believe in. But one thing is to be able to listen, to have dialogue, and to be able to share who we are in truth and in love. And uh, that I would share, too, that this whole issue of reconciliation with Catholics, there are many, many individuals, and this is an issue around the world, particularly in Latin America, that we are working on, is trying to find the tenets of the faith. What does Jesus Christ mean when he says we're followers? And to be in dialogue. And if you, any of you know, and you, you study the Latin tradition, you'll know that there's tremendous tension in Latin America today, from Mexico all the way down to the tip of Argentina, because the Pentecostal church is growing, and many Catholics are coming to the Pentecostal church. And yet as you talk to these people, you know that there is opportunity for all of us to kneel at the cross and to know Jesus Christ. Let me uh, just say this to all of you, uh, because, uh, and my time is up. But some of you are studying sociology. To those of you that are studying sociology today, I can tell you there are positions out there in the world for you. It's just not here in the States. The idea of social workers. You know, social workers are needed throughout the world. And that uh, if you want to invest yourself, if you want to that cross-cultural experience, uh, there's an opportunity for you to serve. To serve in different places, whether it's the Bosnias, whether it's in the South Africas, or even the Cambodias of the world. For the anthropologists, for you that are studying anthropology, there's opportunity today for anthropologists in the world. For the historians, there's opportunity to be teaching. There's opportunity for business majors, micro-enterprise development. If you look at the trends of Latin America and you want to look at what's happened both in Asia and Latin America, you will see that micro-enterprise development has been the turnaround of those 
different regions. And you'll see that economic trends, both in Latin America as well as Asia, are growing faster than here in the United States today. There's opportunity in that area. For the dip diplomats that are in this room, I could place some of you today, after further training, to be next to presidents in the world. Some of the loneliest people in the world are leaders, government leaders. They don't have someone who's there encouraging them, mentoring them, thinking about the scriptures and bringing a verse to them just out of love, whether the person's a believer or not. But there's a place. There's a place for advisors, for artists. There's an opportunity in the art areas greater than ever before in many countries as people are becoming to understand that art not only has its own value but is a great value in terms of reconciliation drawing pictures tying in with the social workers it's i can take you to bosnia and show you pictures of children who have the pictures they've drawn to share the pain that they've gone through and for those of you who are writers many of these countries many opportunities for those who can write to share to talk about what's taking place for teachers whether it's in china uh, whether it's in africa and even in latin america there's openings for teachers i guess what i would say to you in closing is that there's an opportunity for you and i would encourage you that you not take this experience and make it a myopic experience. But I would hope that you would make it an experience that would cross culture. And I want to share just real quickly about four graduates. John Yale. John Yale is a graduate of Westmont College. He is probably the most respected relief person in the world today. If you mention his name to the Netherlands government, the French government, to the German government, to the U.S. government, he will be in the list of the top five of the best relief workers throughout the world. And he's in Africa today. He's today running a major relief effort for those pictures you saw on the front page of the LA Times last week. Secondly, Margot Sluka. Margot was a student here. She was an anthropology major. Margot is in Cambodia today. I recently went to Cambodia. I went to a village that's matriarchal. In this village, the head woman Margot discipled her, just spent time with her, got to know the language, led this woman to Christ. As a result of this chief woman becoming to know Jesus Christ, she has led the entire village to Christ and many other villages. And this chief woman talked to me on her own without Margot's help about the change that Jesus Christ has brought to her life and how she has rid herself of all the demons, the fetishes, and show me the burn pile where they burned everything. Carolyn Croker. Carolyn Croker is a Westmont grad, speaks English, French, Spanish fluently. She is down in Brazil working among tribal peoples, listening to those people today. And then finally I could go on. My time's out. I always run out of time here, Bart. But if Westmont is to be successful, and success is based upon you, we're going to have to have cross-cultural experiences. It's going to have to involve faculty and students. And we have to have a holistic approach. And let me close with this. In your life, are you taking a holistic approach? Are you integrating the spiritual with the social, with the physical dimensions of life? Or are you going to be the typical American that separates, because of separation church and state, you're going to have a spiritual component, and the other components are over here? If you're going to work in the world, are you going to integrate this together? 
What's your vision for the world? What's your vision for yourself? Where are you headed? What do you plan on doing? The world's before you. You have tremendous opportunity to respond to it. And finally, I would challenge you. Are you going to be in the arena of life or are you going to be on the balcony? Are you going to run with the bulls or are you going to be standing where it's safe and looking down? And I'd encourage you, run with the bulls. Get out there. Enjoy life. I look forward to seeing some of you this afternoon. If I can help in any way, please let me know. And I trust that as Westmont College, you go through this experience and with the faculty, that we can all say that may Jesus Christ be praised from here and in the days of the future. Thank you very much. Let me mention that uh, Dean is a, a new member of our board of trustees and is bringing the kind of uh, dynamism and leadership to our board, uh, along with many others, to help fashion Westmont so that it will become more and more increasingly so a place where we live out our faith in the global context. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the tremendous opportunities that you have given Dean Hirsch. We thank you for his leadership around the world. We pray, Father, that we won't just be, as he said, onlookers, even onlookers on this chapel event this morning, but that we would look deeper within us, whether faculty, staff, administration, or students, and ask how we can live a more relevant life in the context of a globe where people are dying of hunger every day, where people are being shot and killed, where there's injustice and poverty, not because of lack of resource, but because of selfishness and greed. We pray that we might figure out how we can run with the bulls, how we can dive in and be a part of global reconciliation. We pray that you would guide us and that we would be given by you through the Holy Spirit the courage to live lives that count. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.